0: Mayor Bill de Blasio says he is shocked to discover there are large numbers of Jews roaming the streets of New York City. In a speech made to the 7th Avenue branch of the National Social Club, for National Socialists, de Blasio said, quote, When I told people to go out in the town and enjoy themselves because this flu wasn't dangerous at all, I didn't mean to include Jews. Now suddenly they're all over the place with their funny hats and beards and those black outfits, which frankly I find depressing. And some of them don't even have the common decency to pray in English so we can understand what they're plotting behind our backs. It's crazy. This is New York City. What are so many Jews doing here? Unquote. In a later appearance where de Blasio handed out free camel milk to Muslims celebrating Ramadan, de Blasio reiterated that he would close any church permanently if Christians refused to obey the lockdown orders. De Blasio told the gathering of 500,000 Muslims in Times Square, quote, I don't mind if Christians want to get together in small groups here and there, but once they get into those churches, they're just going to start praying to their weird alien god, and that's not something we want to encourage, unquote. De Blasio also sent police to break up a Hasidic funeral for a prominent rabbi in Brooklyn. The NYPD, who loved the mayor as dearly as those really painful boils you sometimes get on your buttocks, sent a spokesman to say, quote, We are breaking up this Jewish funeral, but we certainly hope this doesn't cause a mass uprising of Jews and other minorities who tie the mayor's wrists to his ankles, cover him with tar and feathers, and pitch him into the Hudson River, where they pelt him with rotten vegetables and mud. The NYPD would frown on those actions very deeply. As we watch the mayor being swept out to sea. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I go hunky dunky, life is tickety boom. Birds are winging also singing, hunky dunky doom. Ship shaped ipsy topsy, the world is zippity zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, So let's start off with some good news. An experimental drug is showing some promise in the fight against the Chinese flu. The drug has the musical name Remdesivir. (laughs) Anthony Fauci says it has a clear-cut significant positive effect in diminishing the time to recovery, which makes it, he says, a very important proof of concept. In other words, if you can improve healing times 31%, maybe you can push that number up even further. Other drugs and vaccines are showing some promise as well. This, to me, is a reminder of what a wonderful blessing science is and how much better life has gotten since we discovered science and how tremendous it is to have scientists in the world who dedicate their lives to doing science and how, most importantly, we shouldn't let all the things that are not science and not scientists or scientists talking outside their realms of expertise in science give real science a bad name. Doing experiments, making hypotheses, and testing those hypotheses with experiments whose results can be repeated, that's science. Feeding numbers into a computer and having the computer predict the future of a complex, non-repetitive system like the climate or a virus, that's not science. That's just making a guess with the help of a computer so you can use the word computer and it sounds scientific. Studying fossil records and cells and hypothesizing that mankind evolved from lower life forms and then testing those hypotheses with experiments and studies of the fossil record and cellular traces, that's science. Declaring that now you know there's no God and silencing people who dissent from your hypothesis on reasonable grounds and declaring that evolution is absolutely random when you're inside the system and have no way of knowing whether it's absolutely random or not or simply the product of a design beyond your understanding that's not science that's just being a loudmouth jerk tests and hypotheses and stumbling forward humbly in the dark and doing repeatable experiments that challenge your own ideas that is science declaring the science is settled and anyone who disagrees is a denier is the opposite of science it's superstition It's nonsense. Shutting down experiments that might show results about, say, gender or race that you don't happen to like, and destroying the lives and careers of people who do those experiments or make those hypotheses, that's not science either. It's oppression. The politicization of science, the use of science by activists and the media to push a big government agenda or an atheist agenda or any damn agenda, has given science a bad name just when we need science most because that's not science, it's leftism. And we shouldn't forget there's still real scientists out there doing real science, and God bless them, we should all be glad they are there. All right, let us talk about freedom debt solutions, because I know a lot of people are having real uh, financial difficulties, real economic problems, and when you get in debt, you know, the poet John Keats said that money problems are like nettles in your bed, those stinging plants. He said it's like having them in your bed, because you can't stop worrying about it. But the anxiety and stress caused by debt can be helped by Freedom Debt Solutions. There's a way out. You don't have to go through this whole thing alone. Freedom Debt Solutions is here to help. There's no one-size-fits-all solution to getting out of debt. Freedom Debt Solutions has more than 400 debt experts standing by to recommend the right solution for your specific situation. No matter which solution you may qualify for, Freedom Debt Solutions could help you get rid of expensive credit debt faster than you can on your own with one low affordable monthly program payment. Since 2002, Freedom Debt Solutions has served over 750,000 clients and settled over 2.7 million accounts and settled over 10 billion dollars in debt. So, if you have 10,000 or more in credit card $10,000 or more in credit card debt and struggling to make monthly payments, there is hope. Stop the stress and anxiety your debt is causing. Find out how you can talk to a Freedom Debt Solutions expert and get your free personalized debt consultation today. Go to Freedom slash Claven. That's Freedom slash Claven. Freedom Debtsolutions.com slash Claven. You do not have to be in debt to know how to spell Claven. It's K L A
1: V A N. There are no easy things.
0: That's amazing. I was just going to say exactly the same thing. There's an old expression, Vox Populi, Vox Dei. It means the voice of the people is the voice of God. So I want to show you something that came out in New York. Uh, It was put out by the New York Post and the police who just despise Bill de Blasio, the police union. They hate Bill de Blasio. They've been tweeting it around. This is a woman who has a dead body in her uh, house and has been living with it because there's nobody there to take it away. They're having a real problem with this in New York. Uh, the other day they found uh, a, a, a bunch of um, uh, bodies uh, sm- causing a smell in trucks outside a mortuary. They're really having problems with this. And this is this woman addressing uh, Bill de Blasio, who she says she has met. He has come to her neighborhood and looks, scouted around for votes. Uh, but now, where is he?
1: You know, I know you, Mayor de Blasio. And this doesn't make any sense. If you got kind of to designate somebody to come and get these bodies out of here, these people that die at home, people are dying at home in an alarming way, how dare you make us have to deal with that? After living there with the body for days. How dare you Ben de Blasio? You can't blame that on Trump. You can't blame that on Cuomo. That's all you Ben de Blasio. This is our city. And we're being treated like.
0: So that's that's a woman in in real trouble in a city that's having the worst of this disease. Meanwhile, Elon Musk of Tesla, you know, the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX. He's tweeting, if somebody wants to stay in their house, that's great. They should be allowed to stay in their house. They should not be compelled to leave, but to say that they cannot leave their house and they will be arrested if they do. This is fascist. This is not democratic. This is not freedom. Give people back their GD freedom. And, you know, it just strikes me that these two voices are very different. Uh, The voice of this billionaire and the voice of this lady who's having a problem. And maybe, maybe we're not dealing with fascism, you know, (laughs) maybe we're dealing with competent and incompetent public officials trying to deal with an unprecedented situation. And maybe we need a little bit less. I mean, it's one thing for it to be screaming because there's a body in your uh, apartment. It's another thing to be screaming because you're losing some money. I'm not saying you can't make your arguments. I'm just saying that, like, this really does seem to me a moment when we should be talking to one another, and we've got this press that is corrupt and evil and really uh, just dedicated to destroying one party and propping up the uh, clearly brain-dead candidate on the other side, Uh, and it's very hard for us to talk to one another. It's very hard for us to hear one another and sort of say, well, you know, yeah, people are having this problem or that problem. We've got to, all all of us have got to be thinking about how to go forward in a cautious and clever way. Uh, It really is a problem that we have a press that is this corrupt. So, The press is starting to lose its power over the news. And we've been talking here. You know, I always promise you, you get tomorrow's news today. It is really true that every time I have played a clip from the past or played a clip of what's going on or even talked, I've been talking about this Biden thing since really it was coming to the surface. I've been on it a long time, not because of what it says about Biden. I don't know yet what it says about Biden, but because of what it says about the press. And it's just amazing. It's just amazing that at the same time this is happening, this Flynn story, this uh, General Michael Flynn story is unraveling where we're starting to see what the FBI did and how they set up this combat uh, you know, veteran uh, to take the fall, They, just to remind you, they went in and they asked him questions about a conversation he'd had with the Russian ambassador. There was nothing illegal about the conversation that he had. He either forgot or told an untruth or lied about w- what was in that conversation, and they arrested him for lying to the FBI. Then threatened him with prosecuting his son on a completely unrelated charge uh, that they a charge that they never prosecuted anybody on, and he basically caved in, as you would, and he uh, confessed. He led guilty to this. And now all these papers are coming out really making this look bad. So a federal judge uh, yesterday unsealed new documents in the uh, in this case. And it shows a, um, a guy, Bill Priestap, it looks like that's who it is, the former head of FBI's counterintelligence division. Uh, his initials are on him. And he asks in these notes, he asks the question about going into question, Flynn, he says, what is our goal? Truth slash admission Or to get him to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired. And again, if the initials are correct, this is FBI's, uh, the head of the FBI's uh, counterintelligence division. And that is an amazing thing for him to be asking. Now, some people are overreporting it. Some people are saying, oh, you know, he said that that's what we're doing. He's asking the question, but he shouldn't even be asking the question. He should know that that is not something the FBI are doing. And now, you know, Lindsey Graham, here's Lindsey Graham talking about this.
2: It's pretty apparent to me that General Flynn was a victim of an out-of-control Department of Justice. He basically got railroaded. It is pretty widely known that the Obama administration didn't have much use for General Flynn. So uh, Attorney General Barr needs to be uh, complimented. He's doing the right thing. He has three goals that I share. Restore trust, hold people accountable who have uh, engaged in misconduct, and right wrongs, like General Flynn, and I believe eventually Papadopoulos. So, you know,
0: how do you think the New York Times, a former newspaper, ran this? I bet you can write the headline yourself. I bet you can guess what it says. Flynn lawyers seize on newly released FBI documents. Republicans pounce. The famous "Republicans pounce" headline, where instead of covering the story, you cover the evil Republicans uh, pouncing. They the bury this line. New York Times which is like so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they bury, I have this voice in my head. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can hear the voice in my head. They they bury this st- This question, is our goal to get him to lie so we can prosecute or get him fired? It must be, I didn't count, but it must be 20 paragraphs down. I mean, it's way, way down and probably in the actual Dead Tree edition. It's probably on the other side of the, the uh, jump on the jump page, it's just it is just an amazing piece of malfeasance. But now we know because we know about Biden and now the Biden wall is breaking because they just can't stand it. And they the way they are uh, reporting this is the same thing. Democrat frustration mounts as Biden remains silent on sexual assault allegation. Let me remind you, no one has asked him about the sexual assault allegation no one has shouted through he's doing these zoom things where they they vet your question first nobody has broken through you can bet if this were donald trump they would wait they would tell you they would lie about the question they were going to ask and then ask the real question about this you look i mean it, it The fact the fact that they don't see how corrupt they are is the problem, you know, because when you are in a corrupt system, it becomes invisible to you. You know, Ed Henry had uh, uh, John Carl from ABC on and asked him about how they're covering this and why aren't they covering? Why isn't the mainstream press covering these allegations that Joe Biden in 1993 threw a woman up against the wall, Tara Reid, and penetrated her with his fingers? And this is only one of at least eight uh, claims against him. There are really many more, and there's all the video evidence of the way he treats women and the way he invades their personal space. Just, you know, old Uncle Joe, you know, it's like, you, you remember that uncle, you know, the uncle your mom wouldn't let go into your room at night. So here's John Carl talking about this. And I want to emphasize this about John Carl. John Carl is a is a good reporter. I mean, he's a He's a competent reporter who does his job and everybody obviously likes him and all and Ed Henry obviously likes him and all the people are very collegiate with him and they know him. But listen to what he says about this coverage.
1: When I go into that briefing room, I'm not asking questions of Joe Biden. If if, if I was, uh, I'd be a different set of questions than when I'm asking questions of Donald Trump. There is no question, Ed, that these allegations against uh, uh, Vice President Biden are going to have to be answered for. He's going to have to answer these questions. And I think you're seeing uh, the the story uh, as more evidence has come forward. Uh, it's It's being covered. In fact, I think it's on the front page of The Washington Post today. that's an unbelievable statement.
0: That is an unbelievable statement. Now, here's a guy, again, probably a nice guy, obviously not an incompetent, obviously an intelligent man, but that's corrupt. What he said is corrupt. It's corrupt because it's dishonest. You cannot look at the Kavanaugh coverage, which is exactly the same story. There's absolutely no difference. Unsubstantiated allegations. These allegations have more substantiation, but, you know, she doesn't have physical proof. She doesn't have pictures. She doesn't have witnesses. You know, we don't know. But the fact is that the the uh, level, the bar for evidence, the bar for believability and plausibility was much, much, much lower. The panic, the hysteria, the feminist hysteria, the protests, the you know uh, buttonholing people in elevators and screaming at them, all that stuff doesn't exist. And the op-eds, the hysterical op-eds after op-ed after op-ed after op-ed, after op-ed in the pages of The New York Times, Aren't don't aren't there the steady coverage? I mean, MRC has been just counting the coverage. Uh, they they cover the, the Mike Pence the other day walked into a hospital not wearing a mask. They gave that more coverage at, by uh, you know uh, exponentially more coverage than they have given this Biden thing. How can John Carl sit there with a straight face and say, Oh yeah, I think the Wall you know the Washington Post where democracy dies and dishonesty you know, put something on the front page, which basically said the same thing. Democrats are demanding. Well, not all Democrats. Here's Nancy Pelosi and at least getting some pushback from Alison Camerota on CNN. I'm satisfied uh, with how he has uh, responded. I know him. I was proud to endorse him the other day on Monday. Very proud to endorse him. Uh, And so I'm I'm satisfied with that.
1: Uh,
2: I mean, he hasn't, to be clear, he hasn't addressed it. His campaign has addressed it, but he has not directly addressed it. Should he
0: directly publicly address it? You know, it's a, a matter that he has to deal with, but I am impressed with the people who worked for him at the time saying they ever absolutely never heard one uh, uh, iota of information about this. Nobody ever brought forth a, a claim or had anybody else tell them about such a claim. Uh, but again, we have a um, an important election at hand, one that is, I think, one of the most important ones that we've had. We say that every election, but I think this one is the most crucial.
1: I think Speaker Pelosi's incompetent.
0: <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you know, they say Trump is living rent free in people's heads. He, clearly he is. Um, but, but, you know, this this is not on Pelosi, who is there to lie for her candidate. She's a Democrat. She's got to lie for the Democrats. I would expect Republicans, although Republicans weren't that uh, big on standing up for Trump. And some of them were a little bit wobbly when it came to Kavanaugh as well. But I expect Pelosi, she's a totally political animal. She has no soul. I expect her to do exactly what she's doing. But, you know, if that were a Republican, I mean, Camerota would have been down her throat so far down her throat. You just would have seen her feet wiggling out of her mouth. And I think that that is the problem. I mean, this is the thing. And so how do we trust these people? How do we trust them now that we know? How does the ordinary person, you know, Rose McGowan, one of the women who was uh, uh, says she was raped and I believe her, uh, by Harvey Weinstein. And she's, you know, she's obviously a damaged person. I'm not going to tell you she's not, you know, she's an actress. She puts a, this, this picture of herself crying on Twitter, but she says, I used to be a proud Democrat. And she doesn't say what she's talking about. She says, I used to be a proud Democrat. I would have died for this damn country and its ideals. I was raised to be a proud Democrat. And I was always told it was the democratic party that were the good guys that our papers were the times and the Washington post. And we as a family loved listening to all things considered. And we talk about how much we lived Ira, Ira glass. She continued, and now, but now I know too much and I really feel quite a sense of loss tonight. I'm not a cynical person, but America, damn, the Republicans have always been painted as the bad guys and I've always seen them more as a cult, but now I realize so are the Democrats and the media. Well, you know, how long does it take for everybody to get red pilled by this? And if we can't trust the media and if you can't trust the times, how are we going to trust them when it comes to this virus, when it comes to this crisis that we're in? How do we know? Who to turn to when we've got people screaming, it's fascism on the one side and people screaming on the other side. It's going to kill us all. And people with bodies in their apartments. How do we trust anybody if we've got no referee, if we've got no objective voice? All right. Let us talk for a moment about paint your life, which is a wonderful thing to have. If you like having artwork in your house, here is an easy way to get some personal artwork, a personal picture, a painting of yourself or your family or your pet or anything you want. And it really does look. I got one. And it's in the office, so I can't show it to you. But it really is a a very nice painting that was taken from a picture of mine. I did it kind of as an experiment because I, I didn't know if it was going to work, and it came out really, really nice. It's a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You can send any picture of yourself, kids, your family, a special place, a cherished pet, and you can even combine photos. It's a quick and easy process. You get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. It's a perfect gift for Mother's Day, which is excellent. Uh, and there's never been a better time to treat the mothers of your life to something unforgettable while they're locked away and you can't see them. Paint Your Life portraits are a gift that will keep on giving. A PaintYourLife.com. There's no risk if you don't love the final painting. Your money is refunded, guaranteed, and right now is a limited-time offer. You can get 20, 20% off your painting, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word ANDREW to 64000. That's ANDREW to 64000. Text ANDREW to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. All right. Let us um, talk about the fa- this, this virus and how, how are we supposed to decide How are we supposed to to know what the truth is? Right. We all we all want to open. We have to open up. We can't let this economy just crash and burn. It can't be done. We cannot. You know, you know, the the polls are showing that people don't think these uh, impositions, these lockdowns are uh, too much. They understand why it happened. They're not mostly angry. Most of the people protesting, there's, there's really uh, very few people protesting. Although remember there's different places and different attitudes of the governors. And some of these governors are overbearing. Some of these governors are doing the wrong thing. Some of them are sending police out to harass ordinary people, which is just a bad look in America. You should not be harassing The Police should not be harassing ordinary people for being at the beach. You know, you can go and tell them you're not supposed to be here. You go and tell them it's dangerous, whatever you want to tell them. But But you don't uh, you don't arrest people. You don't arrest moms for taking their kids out. Here's Trump saying, you know, we just we just want to get back to work. Everyone wants to get back to work being a cheerleader for reopening.
1: Have to have safety. But at the same time, people want this country open. The people here want it open. And there is a danger to uh, too much uh, being confined to a house or an apartment or wherever you live. You you can't this. We got to start moving along. And with all of the testing we're doing, with all of the things we're doing, uh, you can do this now. And and governors are actually a lot of pressures being put on governors right now by the people in their states. They want to get it open. And that's what you want. That's what we all want. And with all of the procedures and safety, we've learned a lot about this uh, hidden enemy. We've learned a lot. And there'll be pockets of fire and we'll put them out. We'll put them out very, very quickly. But. You know, during this period of time, uh, I think we've really learned a tremendous amount about how to handle it. Nothing easy, but we want safety. You know, it,
0: it's, it's so interesting to me that Trump, once you stop distorting everything he says, once you stop pouncing on every word he says, and he does ramble sometimes and he does uh, talk in this way. I've, I've talked about this. He talks in a very strange way. Sometimes he thinks out loud, which is not a good look all the time for a president, um, but but when you hear what he's actually saying, he, he's making total sense. He's making total sense more than the people on Twitter who are screaming, you know, like they're Thomas Paine and the revolution, uh, which is just ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. You know, the, the reason I say it's ridiculous is I look at every country with the exception, well, kind of an exception with Sweden. Sweden took a different tack. It is and, and good. So they have an experiment. Their death toll is very high. You know, it's it's it, it looked like Lately, it looked like it was almost 10 times higher than the surrounding uh, countries. But remember that death toll is going to be balanced not against the death toll of the moment. It's got to be balanced against the ultimate death toll, because when everybody comes out of their houses, there's going to be spikes. So we don't know if there's going to be a death toll. The one thing is with this with this new medicine that's coming out if it shows success and if that, you know, they're working with incredible speed. I was talking to a doctor the other day and he just says, we're learning so much so fast. And you compare that to what happened in the AIDS crisis, where it took so long to gear up. But now, you know, AIDS is something you live with. When when I was, when it started in the eighties, uh, you know, I had friends who were dying, people dying all around me. And ju- it was just death. You got it. It was death. They came and told you, you have AIDS, you're dead, you know, and that was what it was. And now People uh, take a pill and they live and it's the same company, this Gilead, uh, that is coming up with the the new medicines as well. And, uh, you know, I think that the speed with which they're uh, doing this is very hopeful. It's it's it means that if we flatten the curve and if we all come back and there's a spike, there may be new medicines. You know, there may be new medicines that don't cure it but if it's 31% now it's that's going to get better if it's 31 if you get healed 31% faster now and it seems to cut down on the deaths as well so that's going to mean that the swedes did the wrong thing right because they bet against that happening if you if you see what i mean if you're saying oh we're we're going to have as many deaths as sweden has eventually per capita because eventually everybody comes out well, then Sweden managed not to damage their economy and had the same death toll at the end of the story. But we don't know. If they do come up with new medicines, then it's not going to be true. Then staving off some death now uh, and waiting till later was a good thing then that was a smart thing meanwhile so you've got Trump saying that meanwhile you've got the New York Times it, it's just like they should really just put a big scary emoji on the front page they should just put a big yellow face with its face contorted in terror on the front page you know his eyes bugging out and like a you know mask with a scream behind it you know they should, maybe they should just put that old painting the scream on the front page in the New York Times every day it's all fear and you know now we know we know because of Biden we know they're not Covering the Biden story, we know we know they're not covering it at the level that they covered. You know, oh yeah, we're covering it. Uh, You know, they're burying stories on Easter Sunday on page twenty. We know they're not covering, so we know they're lying. We know we know that Dean Baquet is corrupt because he came out and said we didn't cover it because it wasn't in the news. I mean, that's what he actually said. We didn't cover it because it wasn't in the news. So we didn't cover it because we weren't covering it, basically, is what he said. So we know they're corrupt. We know they're lying. So when they come out with these stories, they now have a story. U.S. coronavirus death toll is far higher than reported. Uh, CDC data suggests how do I know? How do I know? You know, when I was a reporter, I always remember uh, going into a a little store. I was a a small town reporter. I went into a little store in the middle of nowhere, and I was covering a story about a dam that the Army Corps of Engineers said was going to burst. And I looked in, there were a a guy literally sitting on a Cracker Barrel playing checkers, like in an old episode of The Andy Griffith Show. And he looked up at me and he said, you know, when I read something in the paper and it says there was a fire somewhere, he said, I think maybe. (laughs) I laughed because I was an honest guy. I was trying to tell the truth. I was writing stories for the newspaper. But now I kind of understand what he thinks. I mean, if if Biden can be accused of the same sorts of things that Kavanaugh was accused of and just go undercover and people saying this is garbage, by the way, this thing about saying, oh, he's got to answer this. What do you mean he's got to answer it? You're not asking him any questions. And when when does his answer become adequate? But Cavanaugh answered it his answer wasn't adequate they just, you know they was after he answered it and when he answered and got ticked off that he was being accused of something he said he didn't do it was like no look how angry he is. he's not judicial you know no matter what he did it was no good no matter what Biden and and really Biden, I'm not even sure he knows where he is anymore so they're covering up that as well. So how do we know how do we know when the New York Times writes a story about coronavirus you know, there was a, a, a piece, a, they do a thing in the New York Times called The Argument, where their columnists get together and agree with each other that conservatives are bad. That's why they call it The Argument, because they go back and forth agreeing with each other that conservatives are bad. But this time they were going after, uh, they were talking about a column by Yuval Levin, who's a smart guy and writes for the New York Times. And he was talking about what I, what I call meta jobs when I say some job, you know, your job has a meta purpose. So if you build cars, Build cars, and if you uh, sing in on Broadway, sing on Broadway. You don't need to talk about uh, politics. You don't need to do those things because that is coming down from your meta job. It's coming down from your bigger job. And and he says, and Levin talks about the fact that we have lost faith in our institutions. He says, check in on Twitter right now, and you'll find countless journalists leveraging the hard-earned reputations of the institutions they work for to build their personal brands outside of those institutions' structures of editing and verification leaving the public unsure of just why professional reporters should be trusted. Well, you know, that that's true. You know, when, when you see reporters on Twitter making political statements, then you go back and think, well, why should I trust them? And they always used to make the argument, well, I can be a Democrat, but, you know, be honest. But, they, but they're not. We now know. We know because of Biden. This is what the Biden thing teaches us. We know for certain that they're lying. We know for certain that they're corrupt. They know. We know for certain they're on one side and not the other. So we lose faith. When we lose faith, how do we communicate with one another? How do we communicate with the people that we disagree with, right? I mean, it's important. It is important to be able to communicate with people even when we disagree with them. Uh, and that it's important for us on the right to be able to communicate with the left. But how can we? You know, uh, I want to just play this one thing of uh, Fauci talking about reopening. This is not on the medicine.
1: This is on reopening. If you got that cut. If as we open up the country, economically and otherwise, if we have the capability to implement well when new cases occur, which they will, there's no doubt that they will as you try and relax mitigation. If we have the capability of identifying, isolating, and contact tracing in a highly effective and efficient way then the numbers will stay low. It may be 80,000, whatever, 70,000, like the model says. If we are unsuccessful or prematurely try to open up and we have additional outbreaks that are out of control, it could be much more than that. It could be a rebound to get us right back in the same boat that we were in a few weeks ago. So that's the voice of a medical expert. And I think what he's
0: saying is true. It could be he's saying it could be one way. It could be the other. You know, we don't know. Then we have to also talk to business people. We also have to talk to social uh, people. What what are the social effects going to be? All these things need to be talked about between us and among us. But how can we if we don't trust the institutions that are in charge of communication? All right. Let us talk about something much more pleasant, rockauto.com. It's just good to just say rockauto.com. There is nothing I like better than talking about rockauto.com because it's not only great to say, it is also incredibly useful, especially right now, because right now, if you need a car part, what do you not wanna do? You do not wanna go and stand online at the car park store Only then talk to somebody who doesn't know anything more about car parts than you do. RockAuto.com is so much easier than walking into a car. It's right there on your computer. The catalog is unique, it's remarkably easy to navigate. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and they always offer the lowest prices possible. So say you happen to need, you know, I I sometimes need a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. I mean, it was just yesterday I needed one of those and it costs like $354 at a big chain store. That's the kind of thing you could get at Rock Auto for $217. That's some comparison. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or Check out their prices. Write Claven in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. And also, there's a box that says, How Do You Spell Claven? You want to fill that out as well with K L A V A N. can K-L-A-N. remember. K-L-A-N. <laughs> I did my final all-access live for all members yesterday, last night. I guess Knowles will probably do one uh, tonight. Uh, and then it's just for all-access live. We opened it up to everybody because we knew we, you needed company, but you got to be an all-access member. But to encourage you to become an all-access member or an, a Daily Wire Insider Plus member, we will give you two of these solid gold diamond-encrusted leftist tiers tumblers, which are different than all other solid gold uh, diamond-encrusted leftist tiers tumblers in not being solid gold or diamond-encrusted. And we will send you two of those, and plus you get all the great benefits, including being in the mailbag, so I can answer all your questions 100% correctly and solve all your problems. You can ask questions on all access, and you can get on all access Uh and continue to see us uh, all access live and ask questions from backstage all the good benefits of being a daily wire member plus you support us when we get attacked by the left and there's there's nerves going around we know you we've got your support if you're a member and it helps us a lot all right we've got a china expert coming up we're going to talk about some stories in the news today Stephen mosher uh, that's coming right up in just a moment All right. Stephen Mosher is the president of the Population Research Institute. He's an internationally recognized authority on China. He's written many books about China, including one recently, "Bully of Asia: Why China's Dream Is the New Threat to World Order." Uh, are you there, Stephen?
2: I am. Yes. Yeah. Good to be with you today.
0: Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Um, you know, today in the New York Times. Uh, There was a story, senior Trump administration officials have pushed American spy agencies to hunt for evidence in support uh, of an unsubstantiated theory that a government laboratory in Wuhan, China was the origin of the coronavirus outbreak. And their basic uh, thrust on this is they say some analysts are worried that the pressure from senior officials could distort assessments about the coronavirus and be used as a weapon in an escalating battle with China. Is that your concern? Are you concerned that uh, this, they're going to distort our, our impressions of China?
2: Uh, no, I, I'm not concerned about that at all. I'm concerned that we get to the truth about the fact that this uh, coronavirus was under investigation, being researched in the P4 laboratory, the high containment lab in Wuhan, and it leaked from that lab. I think the uh, trail of breadcrumbs leads us exactly uh, to that conclusion. I wrote about that uh, at the same time that my friend Senator Cotton brought up the subject. And look, uh, bioweapons research in China is real. Recombinant technology being used to create new coronaviruses that are more deadly than anything you find in nature are real. And look, the head of the Institute of Virology's research program in coronaviruses, a doctor Shi Zhang Li, said recently. She said, "You know, we checked our records." And we made sure that none of the viruses that we had collected from bats in caves matched the new uh, coronavirus, the CCP virus, as I call it. Well, that's fine. Uh, they don't occur in nature. Uh, it might have been one that she manufactured in the lab. However, she needs to show us those lab records. All right. So
0: you're I mean, you call China the bully of Asia. What, what do you mean by that?
2: Well, I mean, for the last uh, 29 years, uh, China has been in a cold war with us. I can actually date the beginning of that Cold War because it was in October of 1991 when Deng Xiaoping called together his senior leadership and said, the old Cold War is over. The United States has won. The Soviet Union has lost and collapsed. The new Cold War is now beginning between China and the United States, and we will win this one. And you know what? If your enemy says you're at war, then you're probably at war, whether you wanna be or not. <laughs> and now we understand that the war you know, is 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 across all domains except the kinetic. We're not firing bullets at each other. But we now know that it's across the trade domain, the cybersecurity domain. And there's a new domain uh, that China's at war with us on, and that is the health and well-being domain, the health domain.
0: Why is it, I mean, why, what is the New York Times' interest in protecting China? I mean, why do they not just want to follow, as you say, the breadcrumbs and find out what's going on?
2: Well, I, you know, when I, when I published uh, an article in, back in February in the New York Post, it was banned uh, immediately by Facebook because the fact checkers said that it was a conspiracy theory. Uh, the fact checkers actually consulted with a woman uh, by the name of Danielle Anderson, who works with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, has been there many times and has a, a research project there. So she was hardly a disinterested party, right? If the Wuhan Institute of Virology turns out to be the source of the, of the leak, which it is, uh, then everybody associated with that lab from the beginning until now including the people who approved the funding from the United States to that lab, uh, which I think we're just in the process now of cutting off. Uh, they're all complicit in this to one degree or another. Their reputations are going to suffer as well. So there's a lot of professional pushback from virologists who have a connection with the lab to say, no, no, uh, it couldn't have leaked from the lab. It must have come from a bat you know, flying 700 miles from its bat cave and landing in someone's bat soup in <laughs> Wuhan. That's how it got started. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute.
1: But but what what is what?
0: Why doesn't the Times just cover the case fairly? I mean, just hear from both sides. Why are they? They're obviously pushing uh, to defend China from the evil Donald Trump. Uh, what, where does that come? From? Is that just Trump hate, or Is there some connection between the Times and China that makes it worth, worth their while?
2: You know, I mean, there are a lot of connections between once great media companies in the United States and China because Chinese billionaires have been buying up uh, magazines. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, and other news organizations in the United States for a long time, precisely to wield influence, and precisely for moments like this, so they can be used as propaganda tools, not capitalist tools, but socialist communist tools to advance the Chinese Communist Party's narrative. And people need to understand how bizarre that narrative is. Their narrative for the pandemic is this, that we developed, we in the United States developed a bioweapon in our labs in Fort Detrick, Maryland, and we took it deliberately to Wuhan during the the uh, military games in late October, and we spread it from there throughout the Chinese population. So then their view, their story is, it's all our fault. And I think they're really admitting too much in this. They're admitting, uh, you know, that that in suggesting that it's an American bioweapon, it suggests to me that they themselves were looking into ways of enhancing uh, dangerous coronaviruses to make them more lethal and deadly. That's actually called gain of function research. It's something we used to do in the United States up until 2014, in which we, at which time we called a halt to it because the risk outweighed the reward. What was the risk? Well, the risk in NIH documents is this, a PPP might be created. What is a PPP? It's a pathogen of pandemic potential. That is a deadly virus capable of unleashing a pandemic. Isn't that what we're exactly facing now? We stopped the research. Mm. They continued it at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And I think we're paying the price right now for China's recklessness.
0: Recently in The Atlantic, there was a piece by two uh, law school professors, one from Harvard, one from the University of Arizona. uh, And here's what they wrote. They said in the great debate of the past two decades about freedom versus control of the network, China was largely right and the United States was largely wrong. Significant monitoring and speech control are inevitable components of a mature and flourishing internet. and Governments must play a a large role in these practices to ensure that the internet is compatible with the society's norms and values. What is it like for the Chinese to be living under the government they live in?
2: Well, the Chinese Communist Party certainly has its own norms and values. And, and those <laughs> in China who violate those norms and values uh, wind up being punished in one way. They can lose their job. Uh, they can be arrested. They can be disappeared. Uh, China has a network of what are called black jails, that is jails that don't are, that, that the public existence of which is not admitted, where people can be disappeared for weeks, months, or years at a time with no accountability. Their family has no idea where they are. They can be tortured, forced to write confessions. And once they're, they're suitably, the word in China today is harmonized. Once they're suitably harmonized uh, to be compatible with the current party line, they're then trotted out as broken men, broken women, uh, to rehe- you know, to give their rehearsed uh, confession to all the crimes that the Chinese Communist Party has asked them to commit. I mean, it's, it's 1984, brave new world come alive. In real time, mm, and it, we're watching it now unfold. Uh, we don't want to be harmonized in the United States. Uh, we want to each be allowed to sing our own tune. uh, You know, have our own music sheet.
0: You know, um, there have always been horror stories coming out of China. There were the forced abortions. I, I, I believe you had a role in exposing the forced abortions. If I'm, I'm speaking from, you did, yes, uh, okay. And and now I'm hearing these stories of forced organ donations, which sounds to me mm-hmm. like some bad thriller movie. Is there truth to that?
2: Uh, I was in China in 1979 and 1980. I was the first American social scientist allowed to do research in country in China. I was there for a year. I found myself caught up in the beginning of the one-child policy. I saw women arrested for the crime of being pregnant. Yes, being pregnant was a crime under the one-child policy. They were taken locked up for weeks, uh, sometimes months at a time. And ultimately, they were forced to undergo abortions and sterilizations, Uh, They were sterilized after the late-term abortions to make sure they wouldn't bother the party again with with an unplanned pregnancy. Uh, These women were, in many cases, seven, eight, and nine months along. The abortions were done with lethal lethal injections into the womb, killing the unborn child. The child was then delivered by cesarean section. So, you know, a government uh, that is is willing to do that to its own people, that is willing to do that to young mothers, what won't it do? Uh, There have been credible reports of... Forced organ donation in China uh, for the last 25 years. Uh, I believe that they're still happening today. China does more organ transplants than any country in the world. Uh, They claim that everything is voluntary, but then they claim that the young mothers who were nine months pregnant, weeping and crying as they were dragged off to uh, the medical center for forced abortion, they claim those were voluntary abortions too, and they weren't. Um, The sad thing about uh, modern technology is that we've given A technology called ECMO to China, which is extracorporeal membranous oxygenation. It's how we keep people alive uh, in some extreme cases of the uh, coronavirus by by protecting their lungs, allowing their lungs to recover while we oxygenate their blood outside their body. Basically, they're using ECMO in China to shut off blood to the brain, uh, killing the patient. Uh, killing the victim i should say while keeping the organs alive so they can all be harvested used to be you could only get a liver or a lung and then the rest of the organs would not be usable because too much time will have passed without blood uh, flow but uh, using ecmo you can harvest all the organs and so instead of just being worth $150,000 dead uh, now a poor uyghur or kazakh or tibetan or political dissident is worth about a quarter of a million three quarters of a million dollars dead all of their organs can be harvested and sold. This is going on in China right now.
0: Man, I, I, I've only got, I'm out of time, but I really would like to just ask, what in, in, in brief outline, as briefly as you can, please, what, what would you like to see the policy of the United States be toward China at this point?
2: Well, I would, I, I would like uh, the United States and the world to recognize that what we're dealing with is the, uh, the Third Reich of the 21st century, that all the crimes that the Nazis committed are being committed in China today against innocents. The Chinese people are the first and foremost victims of the Chinese Communist Party. But now the world has been victimized. There must be consequences. China must be forced to pay the butcher's bill. And hopefully, if we support Taiwan, if we contain China with the help of our allies, if we uh, redirect our supply chains away from China to Southeast Asia, India, even back to the United States, China will die a kind of death by a thousand cuts. The Communist Party will be overthrown and the world will be a much safer place.
0: I, a yes or no question. Does Trump know, know this?
2: Trump has been on China's case since 1999. <laughs> he published a book that year okay. saying China's cheating on trade, cheating on everything. We have to have accountability. So, yeah, um, there will be a <laughs> reckoning.
0: Thank you very much. Stephen Mosher, the, uh, the book is Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. Uh, thanks a lot. I hope you'll come back and we'll talk some more.
2: Look forward to it.
0: All right. That's it. I am out of time. Uh, so the Clavenless weekend has now begun since I haven't got an All Access Live. Uh, you guys are on your own. Um, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, survivors will gather here on Monday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jessela Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.